You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. It's 11 minutes past two and today's masterclass is going to be focused and devoted on seed starting. So during lockdown level four, we thought we'd tempt you with sprouting seeds. Using these two weeks when you can't go sit down at a restaurant, socialize with people, go to the cinemas and so on to start uh, your own seed sprouting initiative. So if you're a, a veggie gardener, and you love your gardening or you want to start a veggie garden, there's a great opportunity for you to sort of get a head start on the upcoming spring and summer season by starting your own seedlings and you can do that indoors. So um, Joy has started a, a Joy's Garden Club. Uh, that's Joy Pala. We often have her on the show. She's a landscape designer and the founder of Organic Kitchen Gardens and uh, joysgardenclub.com. And she's giving us this masterclass in seed starting. And she says that the weather outside may not be permitting you, you know, to, to start uh, your vegetables seeds but if you have a warm sunny corner in your home or you have um, a greenhouse if you're lucky enough to have set up a greenhouse or have space to set up a little greenhouse it's time to pull out all those seedling trays um, and uh, take out your gloves and then just get seeding it's a way of producing your own food you can save money on your kitchen garden um, on what you need in your kitchen and you can start by growing your own food. So most like taking it from seed to plate and you can enjoy a wide variety of better tasting vegetables, better tasting herbs and be assured that there are no chemicals, there are no nasty chemicals in your vegetables and you can do so um, even in tiny, small spaces. And Joy joins us now. Good afternoon, Joy. Hi, thank you so much. How's everyone? We're good. We're good. It's a bit of a tough okay. day for us, but uh, we're excited yeah. for this masterclass um, because that's awesome. what I've been doing, spending time at the garden shop and just looking <laughs> at this garden and dreaming about what to do with it. And I see that you've started um, a garden club, which I think is a fantastic idea. I have. So because, you know, we are mostly now in our homes and there isn't a lot to do in terms of events and getting together and learning about gardening. So we've started an online garden club. And basically, this is an organic gardening education hub online. And you can learn in the comfort of your own homes with video tutorials on how to do organic gardening and recovering everything from vegetables to herbs to fruit to everything that you need to do to maintain your garden. Um, you can basically get this at joysgardenclub.com. Okay, so looking forward to uh, mm. taking a closer look. Um, so we're talking about seed starting. Um, yes. In my pantry, I have a couple of jars with seeds from a recent harvest at the school project that we, we've been yes. busy with. You, you're involved in my school project and we had yes. a really great harvest of uh, pumpkin and butternut. And after enjoying some of it myself, because, you know, we had to sample the produce. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we had to sample the produce just before anybody thinks that, um, you know, the project is for our own benefit. No, it's for the benefit 
of uh, this particular school, but um, had to sample the produce. So I kept the seeds and I've been thinking, I wonder awesome. how they will do, how they will do when they put back into the ground. But first, into let's, let's, ground. let's look yeah. at the types and array of seeds that are out there. I mean, we hear of, um, yeah, of GMO seeds. We hear of hybrids and heirlooms. What's the difference? Okay. So. Let's start with the easy one, right? The, the heirlooms, the open, open pollinated seeds. So these are basically seeds that, you know, um, have been perhaps in your family for generations and generations. These are your grandmother's seeds and these have been open pollinated, which means that they have not been, you know, manipulated in any way. Basically, wind and bees have been responsible for their pollination. And the second easy one, is your hybrid seeds. Hybrid seeds is when you take, say, for example, a tomato that's beautiful tasting, but it doesn't, it's not vigorous. It doesn't give you a lot of tomato. And then you maybe mix it up with a tomato that's not, maybe it doesn't give you the best taste, but it's a vigorous tomato. You mix them up together. You take the trades or the, the, the traits that you like in either one of these tomatoes, you combine that together. And then what you have is a tomato that tastes good and it's vigorous as well. Mm-hmm. The problem with hybrid seeds is that you can't get the same product from the same seed over and over again. So, for example, <laughs> yes, I was going to say, planted- like, how do you know what you're going <laughs> to get from mixing them, from bringing yes. the two seeds together? Yeah. So they obviously do this over a long period of time and they do their tests so that they can make sure that the seed is stable and it's viable. But the problem is that, say, for example, with the seeds that you've harvested at the school project, those are heirloom seeds. If you plant them right now, you're going to get the same product that you've harvested. But with, with hybrid seeds, you get an F1 product. So let's say tomato version one, right? Mm-hmm. If you plant the seeds from tomato version one, you are not guaranteed that you will have that same delicious tasting tomato that's also vigorous. And, all, and then sometimes what happens is that you might only get one of the two traits that um, we're, adv- we're, we're an advantage with this particular seed. So you might just get that it's a vigorous, but it's ugly tasting, or that you might <laughs> revert back to that beautiful tasting tomato that's not so vigorous. <laughs> then you get GMO. Yeah. Now with GMO, these are genetically modified organisms, which means that they, they are crossing two different species. They're crossing a plant kingdom species with another species that may be bacteria or it may be from an animal kingdom, like a fish, for example. So, for example, the, the, if, if, you, if you think about Monsanto and the seeds and, mm-hmm. and all of that saga, the problem is that you take a corn seed and say you mix it with a bacteria or even a herbicide so that when pests eat that particular plant from that seed, they die. Mm-hmm. Now, the issue is that how do we know that we will not die or even get sick from eating products made from GMO? Because they are made for a specific thing. Either they're made um, to kill pests, so the corn will grow and will be beautiful and be vigorous, but it will be resistant to pests because when pests try to attack it, they will die. So the issue is that how do we know that they're not adversely affecting us as humans as well?
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, lots has been said about GMO, of course, and there's a lot of politics mm. surrounding it. You see what's happening right. in certain parts of the world where um, uh, growers and farmers and uh, so on have uh, tried to resist. But sometimes, you know, in collaboration with governments, it's not always easy. And also the rates right. at which we need to produce food is not always cannot always be met by um, the other types of seeds. So right. which is better? Are heirloom seeds better? You know, I would, I would love to, to think that, but yeah, yeah, yes. but which is better? So, so, um, personally, it's, it is, it is a personal choice at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say, for example, GMO seeds are very, they're very risky health-wise. So there's been some studies that show that they have an effect on our health. Hybrid seeds, however, they, because these are two species, these are two compatible products that are being matched together, there are no health, um, there are no adverse health impacts on us. So there isn't a risk that you will get sick from eating products that have been produced from a hybrid seed, for example. But heirloom seeds are as pure as they come. They have their advantages and they have their disadvantages. But here we're talking pure, pure seeds. I personally prefer heirloom seeds. If there's a particular hybrid seed that I'm looking at and I just can't find the advantages or a trade in that particular product, then I'll, I'll, I'll go for a hybrid seed. But in general, I prefer your GMOs and I prefer, um, not GMOs, your heirloom seeds <laughs> because then I know that it is the best um, possible product that I can feed myself and that I can feed my family. Right. Okay. So that's on the seed yeah. side of things. Um, right. What about the timing? Because this is ahead yes. of uh, uh, spring and summer. Are great vegetable right. gardens made in winter, just like summer bodies, but <laughs> made in winter? <laughs> it's oh, dry. I, I know it's dry, are... but thank you for laughing. <laughs> My family doesn't think I'm funny, Joy. So whenever I have to crack a joke elsewhere, I always think, eh, (laughs) probably not funny. No, but maybe it's his sense of humor. That's the problem. His sense of humor, not my, not, not, I'm okay. It's not your problem. You're okay. So. Yes, great winter gardens. Uh, I mean, great summer gardens are made in winter. Obviously, it's cold mm. and the soil temperatures are cold. So it's not really an ideal time to go outside now and be planting your seeds. You want to start the process indoors so that come August, come end of July, come August, you have a stash of seedlings that you've been growing now for over two to three weeks that you can plant into your, take straight into your kitchen garden. Mm. So the idea is to get a head start on the season. So instead of starting your seeds in August when it's nice and warm outside, you are going to be putting directly in your ground seedlings, actual plants, so that you're cutting down on the waiting time for your heart by starting new seeds indoors right now. Right. So it is about getting them ready to go outside when yes. the weather's favorable. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. So then, um, because every plant has unique seed starting requirements or, you know, that they, every, every plant is, is different, 
Um, what right. is the guideline then? You know, uh, how do okay. we get started? I mean, are tomatoes so different from, say, basil or so different from petunias? Yeah. So what, what, what are the yeah. fundamental differences to remember? So there are a few differences. There are general rules for starting seeds. And then there's what you're talking about where you have to really get specific. But the process is quite simple, right? Um, one of the general rules, number one, is that you have to start with fresh seed. <laughs> and by fresh, I mean that your seed can't be more than two years old. Because as soon as a seed is, two, is more than two years old, it loses viability, especially when it comes to tomatoes, especially when it comes to things like peppers, which are already heirloom t- tomatoes and peppers tend to be um, a bit of a challenge when you start in them. But today I'm going to show you how to do, do it the easy way. Mm-hmm. So you first of all, start with fresh seed, right? And then you have to have good lighting. This is where that... Um, big window maybe in your living room really comes in handy because you're going to need a good light source. At the moment, because it's cold, you don't really want to take this outside. You want to keep it inside the house, but you want to keep it in an area that's very well lit. If you don't have an area that's well lit, what I would suggest you do is get yourself one of those portable greenhouses that you can bring into the house and then you get grow lights and attach them to your portable greenhouses so that your your plants or your seedling trays are receiving good consistent lighting right throughout. Mm-hmm. Then you need correct temperature, which is when I was saying you can't really take them outside, it's too cold. Seeds need to be warm in order to break that dormancy, right? Mm -hmm. It can't be too hot, but they do need to be warm, which means that if you're feeling comfortable in the house, if you're feeling warm in the house, then your seeds are in the right temperature. Um, You need moisture. Uh, Basically, water is the thing that breaks the dormancy of your seeds. Mm -hmm. So if your seedling mix is not wet enough, then you're not, you know, you're not going to get good results. You need good airflow as well and a good quality germination mix. I can't emphasize that one enough. Your germination mix needs to be light and almost the texture of flour. You can't have like big rocks or big particles in it. So I'd rather you get one from from the nursery, for example, instead of trying to make your own because the one from the nursery will be like the most optimum, best quality that you can find. Right. Um, And then, yeah. Yeah. And then there's specific rules. For example, if you Basically, anything that grows above ground. So anything where a fruit is going to be harvested above ground, you can start that in a seedling tray. Okay. So, for example, I wouldn't advise that you start your root vegetables in seedling trays. They don't do very well. The quality of the product is not going to be the best as well. So anything where you're harvesting um, above uh, ground, fruit above ground, you can start that in a seedling tray. You can do... Uh, in terms of root vegetables, for example, you can start things like onions, um, things like beetroot, things like spring onions in a seedling tray. But everything else that's a root vegetable has to be started directly in the ground. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so uh, just uh, was uh, wanting to go back to the, 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 the mix, the seed starting like potting mix right right? because having looked at because 
you mentioned water, you mentioned light and so on. And uh, thinking back to experience that, that I've had with trying this many, many years ago, I remember uh, yes. sometimes it can be too soggy. And then when it's overly wet, when the conditions are overly wet, it can rot the seed. Um, and yes. sometimes you can have fungus um you know if if yeah. if it's not if you don't have it in the right uh, uh, condition or over wetting right. it and if the drainage is not right even that combination is is not right so um you you saying that best advice is to go to the nursery and get the mix yeah. uh, not make it ourselves yes because it's so, going to be different I mean, from the from the soil or the potting soil right. or even the top soil that we use it's very different that's right. It's mm-hmm. very, very different. It's, in fact, it's not even soil at all. Um, so I, I love the point that you bring up about, about, um, you know, if it's too soggy, it will wet, it will, it will rot right. the seed. And that's a hundred percent. If, if your mix is too wet, for example, that it will, it will rot your seeds. And that's a hundred percent correct. Mm-hmm. So, um, when you are getting ready and when you're preparing yourself to start your seed, I like to actually mix it up like as if you're mixing flour and you're getting ready to prepare your bread. So you empty the contents of your germination mix into a bowl of sorts. Then you put water in it and mix it up to a point where it's, it's moist, but it's not wet, right? If you try and squeeze it, water shouldn't come out, but you should feel that it is moist and it's not dry. And that's the ideal um, moisture level that you want with your germination mix. And then when you want to water your seedlings, for example, later on when they've sprouted, I'd rather you used a spray can, mm-hmm. you know, the little spray, two liter spray can that you can get from the nursery mm-hmm. and literally just be spritzing your, your seedlings as opposed to maybe using a watering can because sometimes also that becomes too much. You you are most likely going to overwater when you are using anything other than a spray can to water your seedlings. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then the containers that we use, uh, the drainage, should we be careful of that too? We should definitely be careful. You should get your seedling trays that actually have holes at the bottom so that they can drain easily. And then if you, if you, sometimes you'll get those, um, the ones that are made out of that recycled egg carton paper. Mm-hmm. Those ones, most of the time, you will find that they may not have holes. You can literally just take a teaspoon and pinch some holes into into um, those containers just so that there's a little bit of, of drainage and water is not getting stuck in your seedling pots or your seedling trays. Because then that, that again, it's going to bring it that fungi and things will rot and they will start smelling bad and things will go awry very quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And there's no need, of course, to create that drainage that you would normally in a pot, you know, by placing rocks at the bottom, just no. to no need for yes. that because no. this is already no light and airy. That. It's very light. And yes. the depth very, at very which light. you place them, how deep? Oh, yes. So usually they'll say, do not place it deeper than three times its width. Mm-hmm. So if you look at this, sometimes the seeds are very, very tiny, but generally you don't want to overbury. Right, you'd rather lay on the side of underbearing than overbearing, because when you're overbearing, yes, when you're overbearing, um, some seeds that are really, really tiny, for example, mint seeds. Sometimes, even with mint or thyme, the seeds are like finer than the grain of sand. 
In that case, what I would do is literally just lay them on top of your germination mix and just spray with water, and then they'll just sprout on their own. But um, you do with with bigger seeds, for example, like your your grains, your mealies, and your squashes and your pumpkins. You want to just make sure that you've covered the seed with just enough soil. You don't want to be seeing the seed poking through your seedling mix, but you also don't want to overbury it. Don't push it all the way down. All right. Well, it can't be finer than a grain yes. of sand, man. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to work with it. Yo, it's so fine. <laughs> it's hey? like, tiny, it's tiny. literally. <laughs> It's super tidy. Okay, we're going to take a pause from um, this seed starting masterclass with uh, Joy Pala. And we'll take your questions as well if you're interested in, if you're busy with and you're starting or you want to start your own vegetable garden. uh, Because this will eventually will be going into the point or uh, the area where it now has to go into the ground to be your actual dream vegetable garden. Um, That's coming up. Season C supply. 702 Masterclass. And we're back with Joy Pala. And um, Joy is a garden designer. And we're speaking to her about uh, starting your own seeds. So that by the time the weather improves, you're able to put your um, seeds as seedlings into the ground and uh, get your vegetable garden uh, uh, just flourishing already early on so that you can harvest um, for the duration of uh, the summer season. And we had just talked about uh, the mix that is required for you to be able to do this successfully with your seeds. Joy, let's get to some of the questions that have come in. You're welcome to, of course, join the conversation. Uh, Maybe you're starting a vegetable garden. Well, that is Joy's speciality, especially a food garden. And you can call us on 011-883-0702. Drop us a WhatsApp or a voice note on 072-702-1702. Right, we'll get to those voice notes in a minute. Um, able just uh, getting to them so that we can uh, play them in uh, a short while. So um, now that we have the process, right, uh, yes. and they're in the ground, they're buried just at the right depth, what do we yes. do in that period before? Yeah, what do we do? What do we, how do we take yeah. care of them? Okay, so... You've planted and now they've sprouted, right? That idea of light becomes even more important because there's a few things here that can go wrong. Mm. Usually, most of the time, if they're not exposed to correct lighting conditions, right, um, then they will grow too tall too soon. And it's just because they're trying to reach out for light. They're trying to reach out for the sun. Yeah. So you have to make sure that you are you are exposing them to enough light. Literally, if you've just put them on your faster bank, right <laughs> in the kitchen, on your window pane. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so you've got your seedling out right on your window pane. Mm-hmm. And then choose the window pane that's exposed to to um, the majority of the light during the day. Choose the window pane that's north facing. Right. Because then then you're guaranteed that the light is going to be there for the entire day. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't have you, if you don't have a faster bunker that's north facing, get one that's either west because then you get that strong afternoon light or you get one that's um, in the morning light, one that's facing east, Mm -hmm. because then you're getting that morning light. But make sure that you're exposing them to correct light. Water them regularly, and you'll know that they're drying out when you poke your finger into that seedling mix and 
you know, the first, let's say up to your nail and it feels dry, Mm -hmm. then you know that it's time to water them, right? And then you want to also make sure that you are feeding them. Now, this, this is a little bit tricky because you have to check if they're ready to um, for an extra feeding. So, for example, if if your seeds have come up, but the true leaves of the plants have not yet developed. So, sometimes you'll see when we've put down our cabbage seeds, they come out looking sort of funny. They don't look like cabbages. Mm. And the leaves don't look like cabbage leaves. That's because they, they're not yet at what we call true leaf stage. As soon as they get to true leaf stage, what I would advise you to do is that Every time you water, you add a little bit of fertilizer. I prefer that seaweed fertilizer. It's called kelp, and you can get it in the nursery as well. You add a little bit of kelp to your water, and then you spritz away. Or, you know, um, if you're doing a watering can, say, for example, if the seeds have grown now, they're at least 10 centimeters tall, you can start using your watering can. So make sure that they're exposed to correct light. Keep that adequate moisture going. Make sure that you are feeding them and feeding them at the correct stage. Um, and then if you feel like they're getting too big for your little, um, for your little seedling tray, but it's not quite ready, then it's, you know, the weather outside is not quite permitting for you to transplant them. Then the best thing to do is to move them to a smaller pot. You can get those, um, 12 centimeter pots or 10 centimeter pots yes. from the nursery. And then you can put them in a pot like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the part that makes me really, really nervous. Um, I'm going to do yeah. a little bit of a disclosure. I once grew cannabis seeds or, you know, grew cannabis. And uh, not yes. that one. Ooh, not that one. That, yeah. no, come on, not that one. <laughs> not that one. Not that one. The one that I was growing does not have the things that make you high, right? (laughs) Yes. And literally started them and then had to move them. But it was in that transition where things went wrong. Mm -hmm. So that, I think there's a little bit of nervousness. At least I have Mm -hmm. nervousness in moving from one to the next before the ground, before putting them in the ground. Yes, being mindful of the fact that they need enough soil. um, Mm -hmm. Because uh, I thought I'd try making the oil. You know, but um, yeah. did not yeah, succeed. Yeah. Didn't didn't succeed. So, if, you, if that mean, makes you feel not, better, joy. If that makes you feel better. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? And it's normal to be nervous because your plants don't necessarily enjoy being moved, which is why you have to be kind of delicate in the situation. Yeah. So when you're taking them out of your seedling tray, you want to make sure that you're not disturbing the root ball in any way. Right. You want to make sure that you are putting them in in that big, bigger pot still with that root ball intact. Mm -hmm. And and then what you want to do is that you don't at this stage, because they've now grown and they're bigger, they need more nutrients. So what I would do is you actually now need to get normal potting soil. We're not going to go with that germination mix anymore. We needed that germination mix just for that phase so that the the seeds can sprout. Now you need potting soil, which has a bit more nutrients, but more compost. Um, It's got lovely drainage as well. So you you get um, that potting mix and then you put your plants inside a, a potting mix and water them. Um, just make sure that they're not drying out. Still keep them in that same sunny uh, faster bank 
But mm-hmm. again, you know, if you've got, if you can do a greenhouse situation, that will also work yes. with a bit of additional lighting as well. Yeah, because yes. I find sometimes yeah. that sun can be really harsh on what is a very fragile yes. um, plant yes. still coming up. You right. know, it's like a baby. Right. Uh, we've got some of the messages coming in. I quickly want to share them with you and we'll play the questions as well. You can give us a call uh, awesome. if you want to talk about food gardens this afternoon, zero one one eight eight three zero seven zero two, and how you can take Take your seeds from seed to plate um, over this coming, uh, the rest of the winter season into spring and summer. A WhatsApp says, I live in a complex and just started planting by accident. My husband and I threw a tomato in a pot plant and ignored it. I've now taken over and it's coming on well. About to harvest my bountiful tomatoes soon. We started with potatoes and they are growing as well. And she's got the various stages. You can see the little uh, seedlings coming up in this particular pot plant. Uh, the potatoes are actually coming up nicely, which we'll talk about potatoes in a bit. And the tomatoes are in what looks like these buckets, you know, and they are plentiful. I mean, some are still green and some are beautifully ripe and red. Uh, congratulations. This looks like a success just from throwing um, the tomatoes that they had into this, uh, these particular pot plants without much care. They took care of uh, themselves. Here's a voice note. Hi, Aza. It's Clive here. Can you please ask your guest? I've been struggling to plant uh, a leech tree using its seed. Doesn't grow at all. It doesn't. Doesn't even begin to grow, please. Lychee tree. He's saying lychee tree, right? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Did it come up? I didn't quite get the voice note. Did, yeah, did, no. did he say that it came up? No. So it didn't come up. Um, I would obviously starting trees versus starting vegetables. Two different. That's like high grade. This is standard grade <laughs> vegetable gardening. <laughs> mm-hmm. As it, you know, starting vegetable seeds is more standard grade, and then. Starting tree seeds is a whole different ball game altogether. But um, I would suggest, first of all, where did he get his seed? You know, if you get seeds, your lychee seeds from lychees, maybe that you bought from the supermarket, yeah. most of the time, those seeds are not viable. And manufacturers do, or other or agriculturists and, and farmers do that specifically because they, um, they there's this, what they call plant I think it's PBR, plant rights. So this is basically the law that says if you have a particular seed and maybe you've worked on it, you've hybridized it, you have made sure that um, you've, you've modified it in some way, you have the rights to that seed and no one else can plant it and harvest from that seed. So they specifically make the seed not viable so that they can control who has access to it and who's able to harvest from that seed. So seeds from the, from the supermarket, for example, most of the time will not be viable. Yeah. They just, they're not fertile. So I would, I would question where he got the seed, definitely. Yes, yes. And I mean, this is such an important discussion in the world right now and one that doesn't get ventilated yeah. enough because, uh, whenever the issues around those rights come up, they, 
the, the enter the broader discussion of human rights right. as well. You know, if you're right. going to yes. feed the world and remove or strip people of the ability to uh, raise their own food, grow their own food, right. and um, you confine it within the hands of a few, you are also, in essence, right. um, enabling inequality, you know. Um, and there's, there's a whole, I mean, I keep saying we have to have a show on this one day, uh, a huge uh, political conversation to be had around food rights yeah. around seeds and rights around seeds which which is why heirlooms are also so hard to can often be hard to find depending on the yeah. on the variety really really hard to find um yeah just how hard joy let's just maybe touch on that before we come back to our so, voice notes right so um i think i mean in south africa alone there's maybe a couple of heirloom seed manufacturers and, and, and when I say a couple in the sense that they're not wide, when you walk into the nursery, for example, right now, if you go into the nursery, what you will find is mostly, um, hybridized varieties, right? Those are the ones that are being pushed out into the market. And there isn't a lot of advocacy for heirloom seeds because people can't control what happens afterwards, right? With heirloom seeds, you you are going to get the same product over and over again. If I plant, um, if I plant from my heirloom seed and then I get that produce, I take the seed from that produce and I plant it again, I'm going to get the same product. But with hybridization, there is a bit more control. The manufacturer mm. controls that process because they know that you are going to be coming back to buy seeds over and over again. So that whole idea of saving seeds then ceases to exist. You now have to depend on mm. the manufacturer. You have to depend on the people that are producing the seeds for you to create a harvest of your own. And I think it's a challenge that many farmers find because as a farmer, you can imagine, you don't want to be going back to the, to the manufacturer over and over again for your seeds every time you have to plant something. You wanna be able to do what we used to do back in the days where we would plant up our fields and then we would harvest for food, but then we'd harvest for storage for next year. And then we would harvest mm. for seed mm. because then it keeps, you know, it saves costs and it keeps the loop of production happening year after year without exactly. this over-dependency on the manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Abel, let's go to our next voice note. Hi, Sister Azania ask your guests is it possible to plant maize during the winter because currently in my garden i have kyle i have peas then i also have beetroot and um some onions coming up but uh this this season uh my peas did not do as well as they did last year then in my tennis court i have um some garlic some garlic growing up on that side mm. so my main question is i want to know is it possible to plant maize uh in winter because uh, i do water my stuff uh all year round and uh it's like um yes is in gardening yeah a year season garden that's what he's got sounds mm. great the peas didn't come up wonderful it does uh the peas didn't yes. do as well but obviously with the garlic and the kale and the beets um he's he's smiling so maize yeah the intricacies of maize of in the winter maize. yeah okay so 
we can't take it outside and we're going to do like a, a seed marathon and we'll talk about that a little bit later on but i specifically put that session of seeding like right at the end when we are close to almost close to transplanting our our seeds outdoors because the tricky thing with grains and maize especially is that um, it needs the soil to be warm. Even when we're starting the seeds of maize and we're starting them directly outside, we start them in October. We don't even start them in the early spring because the weather in spring fluctuates so much. You still have periods where there's frost. Mm. So you don't mm. want maize being exposed to frost. So you want to start them like right at the end of July, for example, mm. or even beginning of August and start them indoors um, and then transfer them outside in October when it's warm and there's no risk of frost or anything like that. So to start seeds right now of maize directly in the garden is a complete no-no. It's like, yeah, we don't do that at all. Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, yeah. towards the end of July, this is as seedlings before uh, the time is right, right. for you to put before them in. Before transferring. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and here's another voice note. Hi, Azania. So uh, it's consolation from Bush Park Ridge. I grew up in a very small village called Rolle. So here at home, we... I grew up uh, watching my mother grow vegetables. Even now, she still do. So even now, we have a very big fresh garden. We have a plenty of ripe. They start. They started ripening tomatoes, the spinach. So I think uh, it's advisable for people to start uh, growing their own vegetables. It's not only safer. But it's also cheaper. Mm. You no longer have to go around buying those expensive tomatoes. Mm. Uh, so it's also, as they grow, you also uh, get to sell them and then make extra cash. So I think uh, people who have time must try and uh, raise their own and grow their own vegetables. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, And we'll get Joy's thoughts on that when we come back from uh, this particular break. Uh, But welcome to also be a part of the conversation as we're bringing you a seed starting masterclass from seed to plate is what we're talking about. And our guest this afternoon is uh, Joy Pala, who is a garden designer and, of course, the founder of Organic Kitchen Garden. 702 Masterclass. Right, it's now, oh, I've got six minutes to go in this masterclass. <laughs> uh, let's get to those messages and more questions for Joy. Hi, Zanya and Joy. I really have a problem growing Brussels sprouts and cabbages because my plants never seem to make a proper cabbage head. Mm. They always grow tall and they have some yellow pretty flowers on. I've heard it's because the climate is not... A, a, appropriate here in Gauteng. It's too hot. But maybe Joy can give me some advice. Thank you. Uh, Joy, any thoughts on that on Brussels sprouts? I know when I looked at the list of what you start indoor and what you don't, it's definitely what you can start indoor. Yes, definitely. So usually when, when, um, when they start growing tall, and, and this applies to things like lettuces as well. When they start growing tall and they're producing flowers, then they're, and then they'll produce seed. They are basically, whenever plants get stressed, they institute a succession plan. Oh. 
And that succession plan is, um, I'm not going to do well, so I'm going to now produce seeds so that I can be, I can live longer than this present situation. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's a question of stress and stress can come in in the form of what she just said in terms of the heat, it may be too hot. So for example, your, 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 your cabbages and your Brussels sprouts are a cool season crop. So these are the things that we prioritize for autumn and winter. But if you try and do that in summer, then it's going to get too hot. They'll get stressed and then they'll institute a succession plan. Um, it could also be a water stress. If plants get, um, if they're not getting enough water, they get stressed, then they institute that succession plan as well. It could also just be a soil preparation issue. If your soil is not well prepared, your brassicas, your cabbages and your kales and your Brussels sprouts are heavy, heavy feeders. They eat like no one. Mm. So if the soil has not been prepared well, they'll get stressed and then that succession plan will kick in. Right. So nourish that soil. Here's one last one. Awesome. I wanted to find out, is it a good idea to start your seedlings in tissue, almost like your serviette oh, tissue, yes. where you moisten them and put them into Ziploc bags? Or cotton wool. And how easy is it for you to transplant, especially if it's very small seeds, from that tissue into the soil? Mm. Thank you. Right. Cool question. Joy? Yes. Yeah. So it is possible. It's not advisable because the difficulty becomes when they'll sprout, right? But then when you're trying to um, piece them out and so that you can get individual plants from from the tissue and everything is stuck on that tissue, then you are risking killing the plants. Obviously, you want them to sprout and then you want them to, to grow into individual big plants. The problem is that they will sprout, but them growing in individual big plants becomes very tricky. So I would rather just drop one or two seed into one seedling cell so that I don't have to be splitting plants, trying to get individual plants from seeds, say, for example, that have been sown on a tissue or a, or a newspaper, for example. If you're doing individual, like one-on-one, so you're putting like one or two basil seeds on a cotton mm. a wool or a tissue, that's fine. But then you'll need to drop that tissue, the whole of that, onto soil so that it can roots can start growing down because obviously plants can't get much from tissue yeah so they yeah. need nutrients these um roots will start you know going down into the soil and okay. getting those nutrients yes but rather it's the the professional thing to do is to <laughs> just get a seedling tray get just germination mix and plant one or two seeds in each cell and then you're good to go. Yes. So keeping them, if you've bought plants, keep those pots from uh, the, yes. the nursery. That's the what nursery. I tend to do. I mean, everybody thinks, why don't you just throw them away? And I think, no, they'll come in handy one day. So now here we are. So you've got this challenge Absolutely. coming up. Quickly tell us about um, yes. the challenge. Right. So we have a seed starting challenge at joysgardenclub.com. And we're going to be basically in the month of June, every Saturday morning in the month of June, I'm going to be taking you through a step-by-step process of how to start individual seeds. Today, we spoke very generally about starting seeds. Now we're going to go into the nitty-gritties and you'll have this live 
interaction with me and I'll be guiding you through all of that. You can sign up for this at Joy's Garden Club. Just look for Seed Marathon in the menu and sign your name up for it. Oh, I'd love to see all the gardens that uh, come alive, that get realized yes. and full and you start picking from them and oh, beautiful yes. when we get uh, to, <laughs> to summer. So that's joysgardenclub.com. Joy, thank you so, so much. I'm all for everybody just like that WhatsApp said um, at least growing some of what you eat if not all of it if you can you know Uh, but just growing at least some of it Madume on Twitter has said and shared an image of his garden rose upon rose it looks beautiful and it looks like it's in a greenhouse lucky man with a whole lot of land Um, so Madume thank Hmm. you that's encouragement (laughs) for many of us thank you thanks a lot Joy thank you so much (laughs)